I'm going to do announcements starting from over here. Yeah, everybody like wondering where, okay, I hear the voices. I don't know where you're at. That's well, you intentionally spelled that. I intentionally ended it the way that I practiced I was going to end it. Is it? You were back there just jacking Let's take a vote. Who's more right, what? me or me? <laughs> All right, if you're for me, raise your hand. All right, All right good, good. Yeah, me or me? All right. Well, good morning. It is good to see you guys. Uh, how how was your first week of school, kids? Was it good? Good? Yeah? Yeah? Oh, the excitement is yeah. palpable. Overwhelming. So, hey, guess what? You get to do it again this next week, and we are so excited for you. Let me give you a couple of updates. Um, in your talk notes, there's a, there's a few uh, announcements you need to be aware of, but uh, we've, been, we've been talking, and we make sure we bring you guys up to speed. Uh, when it comes to typically about this in the next week or so, we would be launching back into our uh, fall session of merge groups. Uh, what we've decided we want to do is we want to kind of wait through the month of September and kind of see how uh, some things shake out when it comes where kids going back to school and all that. Uh, and so we will be giving you better updates as we approach October, uh, but we believe we'll be launching back. Our, our desire, we're eager to get back into um, really building community in the way that we've uh, typically done it. And so... Uh, our desire is to be able to launch back into merge groups uh, in October. Uh, with that being said, we'll be leaning. I think we might be doing some men's breakfast and some ladies' coffee, uh, but we'll get you that information when uh, that time comes a little bit closer. Uh, now, with that being said, if, you say, if you're thinking, well, hey, I would like to form community. Do I have to do it um, with uh, merge and underneath their umbrella? No. Invite some friends together. Uh, you can you can do a Bible study, you can do prayer, you can get together and just talk about um, how mean Chris is to me. It really is up to you. Uh, and so uh, we would we would love to help equip you for that uh, if that's a route you'd like to take. Uh, but like I said, uh, we'll be giving you more update. But right now the plan is we would love to begin our fall session of merge groups in October. And so is that does that sound fair? Sounds is that fair. good? Yeah. Is that okay? Uh, no. Okay. You are all looking. This is going to be a long morning if you keep looking at me like this. All right? I'm just warning you. So we are we're so glad you're here. Before we take the opportunity uh, to lift high the name of Jesus in song, let's take a second. Let's stand to our feet. Let's wave at some people. Say, it's good to see you.
God, we come to you right now, our hearts bowed down before you. We pray, God, that we ask that you fill this place. And God, that we would sing this song as a prayer, that we would give our lives to you. We ask that you take our hearts right now. That we don't want to waste any time we have here on earth that you grant us. We ask, Father, that you fill our hearts. We know, we know that if we can surrender to you, we will never be the same. Our lives will be completely changed for your kingdom. And God, I pray that. I pray that we're able to have that strength, that boldness. We love you. We do this in your son, your beautiful name.
patience. Hearts that are broken. Hearts that are lost. Let us for a moment move that to the side. And we worship you with everything we have. We sing. Our hearts sing out our love for him. And in this song, in this prayer, we wouldn't just be moving that struggle to the side for it to stay there, for us to pick it up afterwards. But we would press. We'd press into our Father, the Word, into the Holy Spirit's presence, and ask that they take this. They take this struggle. They take this lack of patience. They take this brokenness. They take this fear. They take this apathy. Father, we sing this to you right now, and I pray that our hearts are set right, that we enter into this worship time, into this prayer, with a heart that is made right with you. We love you. We sing this prayer to you.
Father, your power and your name. You are the king of kings. Death could not hold you.
If you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open them up to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, Hebrews 11. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like a free one or you'd just like to borrow one for the day, just uh, raise your hand and Mark will gladly uh, run one to you. If he doesn't run one gladly to you, you should um, kick him. I don't know. Uh, and so, all right, so we've been walking very patiently uh, for 21 sessions uh, through the book of Hebrews and uh, last week, as we opened chapter 11, we, we said that, that as we do that, what we're experiencing is really the last part of uh, what the writer is trying to get us to understand. All along, he's been talking about the role that Jesus plays, how Jesus is better than whatever you want to place into filling in that blank. Uh, but as we get to 11, now he's going to say, okay, so here's how that plays out practically in your life, and and we open chapter eleven by just uh, traveling through uh, the first three verses, and we see a a twofold definition into what uh, really what what faith is, and uh, and what we said was this that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, uh, namely uh, that that God is truthful in everything He has promised to us, both in this life and in the eternal one, uh, that it can be believed and it can be trusted and our lives can be centered around it. Uh, and then we saw it explained how, uh, how not only is faith the assurance of things hoped for, but it's also the conviction of things not seen. Uh, and this is, this is where really, as I walked away on Sunday, I, I wish I got another swing at the pitch. Uh, because uh, I was, I'm concerned that I got a little loose in helping us understand what the writer is explaining, that, that the bulk of it is simply this, that, that the evidence of our faith is in seeing the fingerprints of God in every single situation. Uh, that, uh, that Not that we would live with, with crossed fingers and hopeful wish, uh, wishful thinking, but, but that we would see and we would trust God is at work Regardless if, if the skies are bright and the birds are chirping or if those skies are dark and you look out the window and you see one crow looking right at you and you swear it's staring into your soul. 
right? So, so regardless of those circumstances where, where, where some people only see chaos and color, uh, the Christian or the believer gets to live in a firm belief that there is order behind those colors. And we talked about the, uh, the, the, the 3D image uh, that was so popular back in the 90s. Remember, uh, someone sent one to me as a joke, and guess what? Still couldn't see the 3D image behind it. Uh, and so I guess the joke's on you. Uh, but my therapist says it's good to talk about these things. So anyway, so, so the explanation of faith is given basically on, on the heels of chapter 10 uh, as we're being encouraged not to shrink back uh, to a life of deliberate sin or, or not to shrink back into a life of old religion, but rather that we would live radical lives for the sake of the gospel, that, that lives where, uh, where even uh, the thought of, of imprisonment or the plundering of our property would be received with joy because we know we have a better possession and an abiding one made possible to us by Jesus. And, and now, as I say that, I think there are people in our room here who think that this possibility, uh, the fact that, that the Bible says that uh, for the sake of Jesus, you may endure incredible suffering— uh, and that we receive those things with joy. Uh, I think there's people in this room who think that that possibility sounds so incredibly extreme. Uh, and, and if God really does love us, uh, then that kind of a life uh, that seems radical would be unnecessary because his love would keep us from all of those things. And, and perhaps I think that's why we uh, may have found ourselves in our current state as a society. I, I think that perhaps the church in in general has settled for a faith that is ultimately weak and voiceless, uh, where if, if those things would happen, the plundering of, of property and the imprisonment, that, that many of us would just simply jump ship because perhaps we love the benefits of God rather than we love the relationship with Him. Uh, and now I get that might be a little little too hard-hitting, too early today. But perhaps maybe that's the situation. And, and I know this because I see this play out, uh, play itself out in, in much lesser issues. And so, so, so Hebrews, the intention of Hebrews is to help us see Jesus and to, to implore us to explore Jesus and to encourage us to trust in Jesus so much that the, what the world sees as a radical life is seen by those in the faith as a joyful expression of worship and a knowing that we have better promises, both today and forevermore. And so, so this is this is the intention of, of many ver- the many verses we're going to explore today. Uh, chapter eleven is, is considered uh, the faith hall of fame, and and it's a spotlight of, of not just the definition of faith where we were at last week, but how faith practically played a role in the lives of God's people. And now this list is not, when, when I first came across this list back in uh, when I was a teenager, I remember thinking there, there's no possible way I can level up to, to meet that. Uh, there's no possible way I can live in such a way that, uh, that I am that holy or I'm that strong in God. And, and what my interaction with chapter 11 became was very defeating. Uh, because I thought, well, there's no way. And, and what I'm learning as we, as we grow in Christ is that the intent 
of this uh, level of, of this chapter is not to dis- discourage our walk, but but it's intended to draw us into courage. Uh, it's intended to show us the goodness of God in the lives of these, these people uh, as, as both him and them uh, pursue the glory of his name. And so that's that's kind of our intention uh, as we approach these verses. We got a lot of verses to cover. Uh, and we only have like three and a half hours to do it in. And so uh, we'll try to be brief. So let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that there is no, no more beautiful name than the name of Jesus. And we pray this morning as, as we get to see through the, the reference of some people who have gone before us. We pray that we would see your goodness. That we would understand how much more complete we are because of your indwelling spirit. How much more confident we can be because your son has risen from the grave. So Father, we ask for nothing less than the miracle of the heart this morning that we would be drawn to courage to live radical lives for you. We invite your Holy Spirit in these moments to speak. And we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. All right, so so one of the best ways to grow in faith is, is to walk with the faithful. Uh, in fact, not only uh, with the faithful today as a means of of spurring one another on in, in love and, and good deeds, but, but also walking in the influence of those who have gone uh, before us. And so, so the remainder, again, the remainder of this chapter is just devoted to a summary of the lives and the labors of, of great men and women found in the Old Testament. Remember, I told you, if you wanted to, to have a refresher course, just read all of the Old Testament last week. Uh, anybody, anybody do that? No, you did, but you don't want to tell me? That's fine. Um, and so, but, but in each instance, what you find is uh, the same elements of faith. That, that w- number one, God spoke to these people through his word. Uh, number two, their inner selves were stirred. Uh, albeit, as we talk about just the variety of people in this chapter, that, that their spirits were stirred, but they were stirred in different ways. Uh, number three, that not only did they hear the voice, and not only were they stirred to movement, but they obeyed what God said, and now what we find uh, is is what verse two said last week that uh, that God will God commends them, uh, and God bears witness about them. And so, so the way I want us to approach this is we're going to look at it in seven sections. All right, we're going to highlight uh, some of these sections. We're going to highlight a single person. Some are going to be groups of people, uh, and, and what we can learn is a helpful picture of what faith does. Okay, so last week we talked about what faith is. Today we're going to talk about what faith does. And since faith helps us see the movement of God in all situations, we, uh, we, we can see here some truths about uh, what it looks like as your faith grows. Uh, and so we start in verse 4 uh, with Abel. Uh, you had Noah, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, you had Adam and Eve, and they had some sons, and, and one of them is, is Abel. And what we find in his commendation here is that faith worships. Uh, Verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, uh, though 
uh, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So, so the background of, of Abel's story is found in Genesis uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. And, and what happens is Abel was a righteous man because of, of faith. God had revealed to Adam and his descendants the true way of worship, and Abel obeyed God by faith. In fact, his obedience will end up costing him his life because his brother Cain uh, was not a child of God. And so, so as we drive, as, as we say faith worship, what we mean is that that faith is the fuel that drives our worship. Or else, what would you be doing if you didn't have a belief? In the goodness of God, if you didn't have a, a belief in the promises of God that that he remains truthful to us, then why would we want to worship him anyways? And so, so as we see and as we claim the promises of God in our lives, we're moved more in his direction, because as the evidence of those fingerprints become more apparent, we, we learn to trust that he's providing for us the healthiest and, and the most joyful path for living that that that's not discrediting the hard days because in those hard days there are incredible lessons that we learn we can learn about his heart for us we can learn how he strengthens us how he sustains us and how he sees us through each and every moment of our lives secondly we get to to enoch and what we find in verse five and six is that faith walks faith walks by faith, Enoch, this is one of my favorite stories in all of uh, the Bible, because it's, it's one of those you go treasure hunting, uh, and when you find it, you're like, this is gold. By, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he w- was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God, and without faith, check this out, without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So, so, so our faith in God grows as we walk with him in fellowship. And, and we, we must have both the desire to please him and the diligence to seek him. And, and so ways that we do that practically is, is time in, in prayer, time in the word, gathering in worship, discipline. All of these things help us in our our walk with God. And and Enoch's story is found in Genesis uh, chapter 5, and I believe it's only like two or three verses uh, that that is summarized in verse 24 that that Enoch walked with God daily and was no more because God took him. What an incredible amount of faith. What an incredible walk where you're just walking with God and one day he just says, I'm bringing you home. So Enoch, Enoch walked with God in this time of, of wickedness, and it was before the flood came, and, and in the midst of that, he was able to keep his life pure because he has fellowship with God. And Enoch was taken to heaven one day, and he was seen no more. And now what I find interesting is that, is that the writer begins the Faith Hall of Fame with Abel, who dies an incredibly violent death, and then he seconds it with Enoch, who never dies. He never dies, and I think this is helpful because both are commended for their faith, but God has a different plan for each one who trusts in him. You with? 
Because what it's going to do is it fights against that tension of saying, well, if I'm suffering, then clearly God is displeased with me. And we're going to find, we're going to explore that more and more as we get deeper in to these verses. Verse 7 brings us into our awareness of a guy named Noah. And what we, what we gleam about faith from Noah is that faith works. Like it has action. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for uh, the saving of his household. By this he commended the world, I'm sorry, by this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So, so when we talk about Noah, his faith involved his whole being. That, that his mind was first warned by God, his heart was moved with reverent fear, and his hands and his feet acted on what God told him to do. And now, since, since nobody at that time had ever seen a flood, uh, and there's good evidence that, that says that there's good chance that none of them had ever seen even a rainstorm, Noah's actions generated a great deal of, of interest and ridicule. But his faith also influenced his whole family, and they were saved from doom. And again, as the writer says, it also condemned the whole world for his faith revealed their unbelief. That, that even Jesus will use this experience to warn people uh, to be ready for his return in, in Matthew 24. That you'll, you will hear it, you know that it's coming, uh, but as it comes, uh, it, just like in Noah's day, the people were involved in these, these mundane and these innocent everyday activities and they completely ignore the witness of Noah. And so, so what we find in Noah is this very clear picture of the relationship between faith expressing itself in works. That, that when God speaks to us and he calls us to adventure uh, with him, there's a relationship between both our hearing and our, our doing. So, so faith serves as this motivation that, that the doing is worth the effort because on the other side of that doing, uh, we see the pleasure of God. That's what faith does. It pursues the pleasure of God. Next, we get to a big section. We're going to go 8 through 22 here. And we find in the, in, in the patriarchs that there are times when the most productive thing your faith can do is simply wait. Because faith waits. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Verse 11, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when uh, she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised, being God. Therefore, from one man and, and him as good as dead. This is what I love about the writer. He's like, he's like talking about Abraham, he's good as dead. Uh, from one guy, and he was practically a dead guy. Uh, from one man and as good as dead were born descendants as many as 
the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Talking about the Israelites. Verse 13, these all died in faith. Not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which uh, they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Verse 11, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac, his son, uh, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. You want to talk about one of the craziest stories in all of the Old Testament. This is one you should find yourself in. Verse 19, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, uh, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each one of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. And so, so the emphasis here in this whole section is the promise of God and his plans for the nation of Israel. And the nation began uh, with the call of Abraham. Uh, and in fact, uh, God promises Abraham and Sarah, his wife, a son. And what they do is they wait like 25 years to see the fulfillment of this promise begin to even really take shape. Their son Isaac uh, became the father of Jacob and Esau, and it was Jacob uh, who really built the nation through the birth of his 12 sons. And, and Joseph saves the nation in the land of Egypt, and then we'll talk about Moses in a second. Moses is going to de- later deliver the Israelites from, from Egypt. But there, there are a few things that I want us to really be able to know about what's being said, specifically about Abraham and how his faith was placed into action by just waiting and watching God do what he promises he'll do. That, number one, he he obeys even when he didn't know really where he was going. That he obeys when when he didn't know uh, how God's will would be accomplished. That that, that he, he believed and he obeyed God when he did not know when God would fulfill his promises. And, and then lastly, he, he believed and he obeyed God by faith that when he did not know why God was still working in the ways that he was. And I think there's this, this great misconception when it comes to that, that, that faith is constantly moving and waiting is not moving. So when we wait for God, we're really not growing in our faith. When, when you can see just in these verses that there are times when God's promises and his movement um, are because he has a better plan than we do. And that in those moments that, that our movement to try to provoke God to move, have you ever tried to do that? 
Have you ever tried to tell God you're not working fast enough, so I'm going to go ahead and provoke you to movement? Kind of like a kid that just kind of jumps off the edge of a pool, you know, because he's impatient that their parents aren't out there just yet. And you know what happens to most of those kids? Not good stuff. And so there are times when God says, hey, the best thing you can do right now, and the best way you can grow in seeing my goodness is by simply waiting for me to do what I've promised I'm going to do. So, so there are times, I, I, I believe this, and, and I believe this because it's been part of my life, uh, that me provoking God to move can do more damage than just the simple obedience of waiting for him to do what only he can do. Now let's talk about Moses. Verses 23 through 29. What I love about Moses is that faith wars. It wars. It'll, it'll take some explanation. We'll get there maybe. So by faith, verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not, uh, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. The king's edict was that boys are to be killed. By faith Moses... When he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater of greater wealth than uh, the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith. He kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Verse 29, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. And so so there's there's three great themes that relate to the faith uh, when it comes to the life of Moses. That that first you have his refusal um, because of his faith. And we see that in verses 24 and 25. As, as the adopted son of the Egyptian princess, Moses could have lived a very easy life in the palace. In fact, uh, but his faith moved him to refuse that kind of life. He chose to identify with God's suffering people. That, and I think true faith causes a believer to hold the right values and, and to make the right decisions. And so when it talks about uh, the, the phrase, the pleasures of sin, that doesn't just um, mean that, that lust or, or uh, sexual sins or whatever that may be. The phrase also describes a way of life that, that many would call successful in, in, in positions of prestige and power and wealth and freedom, but not the life that God has called for Moses. And so Moses' faith went to war with himself. Uh, that that he, had to, he had to war against the comfort and the ease of living to pursue the adventures of the God side. And so Moses' refusal of, of, um, of that kind of life led to the reproach uh, of faith in the verse part of verse 26, that Moses left the palace and he never went back to the old life. He identified with the Jewish slaves. He identified with, with men and women of faith and, and who often have to bear reproach and suffering. And finally, uh, as a result of his faith, he was rewarded 
for that faith in verses 26 29 that that god always rewards the true faith that if not immediately he does it ultimately and so so over the the treasures of egypt moses saw a future reward and he says that's going to be better than anything i can experience and we're talking about a guy who's living in the palace and so moses's faith eventually enabled him to face pharaoh unafraid and to trust god uh, to deal with his enemy. And the endurance of Moses was not a natural gift. You can go back into the first parts of Exodus and you can see that Moses was not very comfortable with the plan that God gave him about going and re- rescuing the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. But because of his faith, God in, God strengthens him and he has the endurance um, and, and, and by nature, Moses, though he was hesitant and retiring, this endurance and this courage came as this great reward. And God does incredible things, not just through the life of Moses, but by extension, you and me. That the freedom that, that God gave Moses is a freedom we get to experience because of that. Now let's talk about Joshua and Rahab. Faith wins. Verse thirty. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because uh, she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And so, so the account of, of uh, the conquest of Jericho is found in Joshua chapters 2 through 6. And, and so Joshua was simply Moses' successor uh, as the leader of the Israelites. Moses dies, and then God says, all right, next up, you, Joseph, uh, you Joshua. Um, and he succeeds uh, because he trusted the same God that Moses had trusted. God, God changes his workmen, but he does not change his principal beliefs of, of operation. And so he blesses faith, and he judges unbelief. And so what we see in, in Joshua and, and Rahab are how the victories are made possible when our faith is actively involved with the movement of God. Uh, in fact, Joshua uh, had to listen to God, but he had to also lead the Israelites to, to, to conquer Jericho. Uh, and it was one of the most incredible scenes. I don't know if you've ever heard of the story of Jericho, but, but God tells them, hey, as you go to the promised land, you're going to have to go through Jericho. And Jericho is a, is a stronghold, and it has these, these large walls. And, and Joshua and the Israelites are trying to figure out, how do we overtake them? How do we uh, take, with our small army, how do we defeat them if we can't even climb those walls? And what God says to do is for seven days to walk around those, those walls. And so in obedience, they do it, and it, it, they're just like us. They're like, ah, this seems really bizarre. And then it says on the seventh day, they, they march. I think they march seven times, and then they blow this trumpet, and all of a sudden, God does what only he can do, and the walls literally come tumbling down, and the Israelites rout the city. And I think much of the time, faith involves the movement where, where God displays his glory. And I think you can go back to the opening verses of the book of Joshua. And, and, and God will tell Joshua to be strong and to have courage, uh, to do not fear. And in his promises, he's saying, hey, 
We're going to go take the promised land. You're going to lead them. But he says something very specific. He says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. And so what he tells them is like, hey, your faith is going to have to have footsteps. That, that, that means that there are times when faith is experienced when your boots are on the ground and you take the land that God has told is yours. So, so I get what I'm saying is, is there's two things that can be at play. Where, where God, there are times that God says wait, and then there are times that God says walk. God says move. Now let's talk about the last group, and it's really just this motley crew of people. There's, we're going to call them various others, because that's how you cleverly call people, right? And what we find is that, that there's various others that faith wants God glorified. verse 32 so he's given us these people he's walked us through our forefathers uh he's talked to us about about abel and enoch and and abraham and and jacob and he's talked to us about joshua and moses and then he gets here and he says what more shall i say question mark for time would fail me to tell of of gideon and barak and samson and uh, that guy of David and Samuel and the prophets. and Now, pay attention to what happens here. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to fight, Women received back their dead by resurrection. And we're all like, yeah, that's the faith I want. I want to conquer kingdoms. And I, want to, I want to have possession and I want, to, I want to do all those things. But pay attention to what happens next because it is incredibly important. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered... Uh, Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. All right? And we're like, oh, wait, hold on. No, that's not a game I want to sign up for. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth, now pay attention, because verse 39 opens with an incredibly important classification. And all these, all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us. That apart from us, they should not be made Come on, we start washing this up. So all these things, though commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised. So they didn't see the fulfillment of that promise for them until after the fact. So, so Moses didn't get to see the promised land. Actually, he got to see it. He didn't get to enter into it. Uh... Abel says he dies and that he still speaks to us today. 
And I love this, this various others. Because it basically says this, some got kingdoms and some got the sword. And what's beautiful about it is that they're both commended by God. And so it's easy. It's easy for us to look at the faith of people in the Bible and say, well, that must be nice, or I wish God would do that for me. And what, what, I, what the writer here contends is that, it, it, is that some get the palace, some get the sword, but both glorify God. And so really, any, any frustration that we feel or any irritation that we feel, the question is, well, what do you really want to do with your faith? Do, do you want to grow in your faith so that you can have specific benefits that maybe God doesn't have for you? Or do you want to glorify God with your whole life? And I think faith can, can operate in the life of any person who will dare to listen to God's word and to surrender to God's will. I mean, there's a variety of personalities that we have here who have experienced pain and victories and, vic- and, and joy and defeats. And, and these are pictures of, of our history, not, not just story time and not just parables that we can teach our kids and then kind of gleam a life lesson out of. But these were people that one day we get to embrace in heaven. And we get to thank them for their courage because their courage gives us courage. That, that we can look at like the words of Paul when he says, man, uh, to, to die uh, is gain, to live is Christ. To say that, that I, can, I can experience a fleeting pleasure here or I, can, or I can wait for my eternal weight of glory that waits for me as I enter into to heaven. And so, so the chapter ends in, in a very similar way that it begins, that, that faith is not necessarily looking for a sun on a horizon or, um, or a light at the end of a dark tunnel, that, that it, it, essentially it's looking at Jesus who has made our faith in our Heavenly Father confirmable and possible. That faith looks at God and says, regardless of, of the high or low of this situation, there is always, always, always a better reward. There is always a better possession because today and for the remainder of our days, both now and forever, we get Jesus. So again, it draws us back to that verse 10 where we're being encouraged to not shrink back, but to stand in the face of all circumstances knowing that God loves me. He has promised to care for me as a perfect Heavenly Father. So no matter, no matter the circumstance, which again, it seems to be easier to, to have faith in God when things are pretty good, right? And then, then we feel the bigger temptation when things are not going good to, to cross our fingers or to hedge our bets. But a true faith says regardless of the situation, what we get is Jesus. So the praise and the anthem of our lives are that God is good. That God is good. 
our desire this week is to love God. Bye. We wrap up. Let me make a couple things available to you. If you you need prayer this morning, we long to pray with you. We don't want to be a community that just says, hey, come on in, sit down. We want you to be able to invest in the lives of each other. We'll have some people over here who would love to pray with you. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, we, we believe firmly that there is no way to restore your broken relationship with God because of sin apart from Him. And that by faith we believe that Jesus not only died for our sins, but He rose again from the grave so that in His death we die and in His life we live. And if maybe you have questions about that today, we want to walk with you. We want to celebrate with you. I love you guys. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we thank you that you love us, that you care for us. And I pray that our faith would grow. Not on accident either. That we would we would long to dive deeper and deeper into who you are. That we would long to see with, with, with more clarity, with better clarity, your movement and what you are doing to rescue. We thank you for the gift of your son. Who we get to see in these next few verses in Hebrews more and more just how beautiful he is. We thank you. In Jesus' name.
you guys have a blessed week.